You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome. Welcome to Utopia. Hey everyone, it's the Utopia Football Podcast. Final episode of the week heading into Saints Weekend, Week 6, NRG Stadium. Good vibes in the city, and it's great to be with you guys. We appreciate you downloading, sharing, subscribing, however it is you listen to this podcast, or watch it on YouTube. Um, We appreciate you. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. is where you can find me, and of course, joined as always by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. Um, John, we'll get to our victorious Astros in just a second. But first, how are you? Uh, how are you doing? How are you feeling heading into Week Six here? Well, if Justin Verlander was saying it, he would say, "Welcome to the bleeping Utopia Football Podcast." <laughs> and uh, I think there's a lot of bleeping going on. And uh, I think that what the Astros did is tremendous. The Texans need to bounce back and beat the Saints, I think anybody who would have thought before the season if they could be 3-3 going into their bye week, they'd be ecstatic. Now they need to actually do it. So it's going to be a fun Sunday in Houston with the Astros hosting the hated Rangers, the hated Metroplex, and uh, for the biggest baseball series between these two teams ever. And then, of course, Astros. There's going to be a lot of Saints fans here. There's a lot of Saints fans in Houston anyway. Yeah. So that's got they got a sellout crowd and energy. It's going to just be a great Sunday. Yeah, it should be a whole lot of fun. Texans early, Astros late. We'll get to the Astros in a second. But I guess, John, before we get into our six-pack to preview the game here, probably the biggest news for the Texans, I would say, this week is that the, it looks like there will be no Tank Dell on Sunday. Um, for the Texans concussion protocol, as you've said throughout the week, that the likelihood of somebody coming back within one week after being put in the protocol is typically pretty slim. Um, and so now it looks like the Texans no tank Dell this week, and then they have a bye week. I would expect that he'll play against Carolina coming out of the bye week. I guess, uh, we'll see a lot more of John Mechie. Uh, Mechie uh, doesn't have the kind of speed and quickness and breakaway ability that uh, Tank Dell has, but nobody else on the team does either. Mm-hmm. And thing about Mechie, I remember watching him in Alabama before he blew out his knee. And then, of course, before he suffered from uh, leukemia, 
that uh, he would catch a lot of balls down the field, a lot of deep balls down the field from Bryce Young. So it's not like he can't do it. He just got to get back in the swing of things. And if they face a lot of two-deep coverage like they did at Atlanta, two- and three-deep coverage, you got to be able to run the ball. Yeah. And so with Tank Dell out, uh, they've struggled on the run. I just saw a, a, an analytic site that said Damian Pierce has faced a more a higher percentage of eight-man fronts than anybody, 83%. Yeah. And people wonder why he doesn't have any room. And uh, Devin Singletary was on that list of the top five as well. But if the Saints are going to play that kind of coverage, they have to run the ball. And right now, Saints are playing some great defense. If they if they do hear what they did to Mac Jones and the Patriots, they probably should be arrested for battery. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they, they've – look – They've got a good defense, no question. They got a lot of names on that defense for sure. The they've not exactly played murderer's row when it comes to the offenses they've played. I think they beat Tennessee in week one by a point, 16 to 15. They beat Bryce Young and the Panthers, which everybody else has done so far. And then yeah, they destroyed the Patriots. The Panthers and the Patriots might be the two worst teams in football right now, though. So they beat the boat, but but they did what they're supposed to do. They took care of business against those teams. And then their losses are to Green Bay by a point in which I think Green Bay came back from way down to win that game. And then they they got manhandled by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I, it's, it's, it's an interesting team, John, the Saints. There is a ton of name power on this team. And yet I'm not super scared of them, I guess. I don't know. The, the Tank Dell thing has me bothered because I, I, do, I do wonder how the Texans are going to go about moving the football. I think this game's going to look a lot like the Falcon game. If you if you want to know the truth, I you know with Derek Carr, oddly enough, Derek Carr playing the role of Desmond Ritter in in this game uh, coming up on Sunday. Saints are beatable. You know, yeah. Dell was out of the game when they went straight down the field and scored their only touchdown on that last mm-hmm. drive. They need more of that yeah. and less of what they did before, which was stinking it up in the red zone. And their number, they're tied for 31st in the red zone, believe it or not. They're not last in rushing. There's some bad rushing teams in the NFL. Mm. But the Saints are definitely beatable, especially here in this series. The team that's won has always won on its home field. So I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And uh, the uh, I love watching, and D'Amico Ryan's talked about this, all the different things that defenses are doing to try to throw off C.J. Stroud, like showing one thing and doing another, and and Stroud's learning from it. And yeah. the key is you just don't make the same mistake twice. And right now he had made a whole lot of mistakes, so I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, but it's going to be fun. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it should be fun. The atmosphere should be great. I'm sure a ton of people coming in from uh, New Orleans for this game, and the whole day should be great. Between that and then the uh, and then the Astros on on Sunday night. Hopefully, two two Sundays ago, John, it was awesome. The Texans beat the Steelers, and the Astros clinched the division. This past Sunday sucked. The Astros, uh, the Texans lose in the last second, and the Astros lose at home. So hopefully, this is a back and forth thing. Hopefully, it's uh, this Sunday is we're back to what it was two weeks ago. Speaking of the Astros, John, seven straight ALCS championships. This has got to be by far the best team you've ever rooted for in your lifetime, John. This 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 run of Astro. Were you a Cowboy fan growing up? I was a Cowboy fan growing up till I came to Houston and I had an exorcism and uh, voila, I was no longer a Cowboy fan. Okay, so does that coincide? Did the, is that when the Cowboys started getting really good, like after you moved here to Houston? Like, well, they start getting good while I was still in Waco. They okay. lost stupid the Super Bowl, then they beat the Dolphins, and and uh, they always had a great team. Everybody loved Roger Staubach and Tom Landry. But down here, there's never been anything like it. I wasn't here when the Oilers started with back-to-back titles and lost in yeah. double overtime in the third consecutive championship. And we haven't had a football team in a championship game since the Oilers in 79, and the Rockets nope. won two in a row. Comets won four in a row. The Arrows won two in a row, but uh, there's been nothing like what's going on with the Astros right now. And no matter how much people hate them, they have to respect them. And it's amazing how well they've played on the road, despite the boos. Maybe fans here should boo them like they get booed on the road. So they play better. Oh yeah. I know John, like my whole outlook on this series coming up with the Rangers. I'm like, well, if the Astros can steal one at Minute Maid Park, then they're right back where they want to be comfortable, up in Arlington, where last time they were there, they scored 39 runs in three games uh, in early September. I This is a really interesting series, and I'm not just talking about the geography of it, but just the, 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 the Rangers were left for dead after that Astros series. Like, I thought they were done. Like, they're going to fall out of the race. Seattle's going to get a wild card. Tampa gets a wild card. Uh, Toronto is going to get a wild card and then the three division winners. Like I thought it was over. And as it turned out, it turned out the Astros still won the division. It was just a whole lot more dramatic than it probably needed to be. The Rangers should have won the division. They had like a 90% chance of winning it going into the weekend at the end of the season. Um, but I, so I find that fascinating that the Rangers were able to, to come basically back from the dead early in September. Do we know if Max Scherzer is going to pitch in this series yet, John? I just read a story about he's throwing another simulated game. He's dying to be part of the roster. I mean, he's begging to be part of the roster. And he didn't pitch well last year uh, when they were in the playoffs. And there's a lot of talk, and they're not going to do this. If he's healthy, should he start the first game over Nathan Avaldi from Alvin? No. Avaldi's pitched very well. He deserves to be the starter. Jordan Montgomery, too. And then they're talking, well, maybe they'll pitch him in long relief or give him an inning or two, because he just wants to be part of it. He wants to be on the roster. I'd love to see him and Verlander going oh. at it. 
but I don't think that's going to happen because Evaldi has bounced back from an injury in which he was terrible to pitch really well. I thought they were done when they choked in Seattle and it gave, gave the Astros uh, the home field advantage and the bye. I thought there's no way they're going to 99 win Tampa. And not only did they go there and they beat them, they beat them both games. And they go to Baltimore. Okay. Rangers are done now. Orioles best team in the American league. And they beat them three in a row, including two in Baltimore. So they, Bruce Bogey's done a fabulous job. Their hitting is tremendous. Their starting pitching is good. And their bullpen, which was historically bad, all of a sudden, Sean has undergone an amazing transformation. Okay, well, let's see when they step up in weight class with the Astros here, bullpen. Okay, let's wait and see. Um, I think the thing, John, that has me most excited about this ALCS from an Astros perspective, from a, like a standpoint of, okay, what, what are their chances of winning here, um, is that in the ALDS, other than Jordan Alvarez going Jordan for most of the series, uh, they – the catalysts for them getting through this ALDS were largely things that were huge question marks during the season. Jose Abreu, I mean, to call Jose Abreu a question mark during the season is an insult to question marks. He was awful. Yeah, he, during, was awful he was awful. He was terrible. Um, he was, he, he had maybe the two most important hits of the entire series with those, the home run to go up four, nothing in game three just completely shifted the momentum back to the Astros, you know, in the top of the first inning of the first game in Minneapolis, the twins, you know, the twins, John, were coming in that game feeling they were going to be the ones to finally slay the beast because of, we got Carlos Correa on this team. We got our best pitcher on the mound in Sonny Gray. We're at home. They got all these shadows here. The Astros don't know what they're doing and playing outdoors and blah, blah, blah. And there goes a Brayu three run home run and you're up for nothing. And the game's basically over before Where's that sound coming from? It's probably my mowers outside my oh, house. Oh, okay, gotcha. I'm like, did my TV turn on? Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, so Abreu, Abreu, who was bad during this season, now all of a sudden he's hot, which is – that's trouble for the Rangers. Um, Christian Javier, Jose Urquidy, really every starting pitcher not named Verlander has been a huge question mark from anywhere from all-star break through the end of the year. And then – and and Hop, so you get Javier five shutout innings. Urquidy was great last night, and then the bullpen, John, which has been statistically pretty good compared to other bullpens. But for what the Astros expect out of their bullpen, for what the Astros expect out of their bullpen, um, they were lights out, John. They they had, they got ten outs in Game Four, of the ALDS, and eight of them were strikeouts. So. That's what I'm most excited about. All these things that were supposed to be question marks or were all these things that were very questionable for the Astros through the last two or three months in the ALDS showed up huge. Brian Abreu, dominant. Yeah. And Presley, when he fell off the mound and he limped a little bit and then he threw two balls, I'm thinking, okay, they better get him out. And then he struck out the side. That's as well as he's ever done. He's never not closed a game in the playoffs. For 13 the for 13. Yeah, Their bullpen right now is, is just as good as it was last year. Got to credit Phil Maton as well. And uh, Javier, I think they should just put him in storage next year and dust him off for the playoffs because he's <laughs> a different pitcher. Yeah. Fromber is the biggest question mark right now among yeah. all their pitchers who could get into this series. Three consecutive poor outdings, and they need him big time. What's your prediction, John? For the, for I'm, the I'm gonna ALCS? go. 
I picked the Twins to go the distance, and I was wrong. I'm going to pick this one to go the distance with the Astros, and I'd love to see the Phillies win as we record this. They play tonight on Thursday night, and if Atlanta blows it at home, can you imagine how mm. bad that's going to be for them? Sean, I'm so tired of all these media people nationally complaining about the bye and the great teams that take too much time off and it throws them off. And they never talk about how it doesn't bother the Astros this year, didn't bother the Astros no. last year. It's a bunch of it's a bunch of bleeping hogwash. Well, okay. I, and and just real quick, because I want to respond to what you just said. When you say you expect this series to go the distance, you didn't say you you you're picking the Astros in seven, right? Astros in seven. So when you said you expect the twins to go the distance, you picked the Astros in five. I picked the Astros in five. Okay, gotcha. Okay, On the got Utopia you. football podcast. No, I got you. You you had said you expected to go the distance, but you didn't say who you were expecting to win. I guess it's just assumed you were picking the Astros, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Um, as far as that, I thought about that this morning, John, because you're right. These teams are belly aching about sitting out for five days, which I think, honestly, like I, I think if the Astros didn't get to sit out these five days, it would have seriously impacted their ability to win the World Series. As, as banged up as they are, as, as old as they are in some spots, as many games as they've played over the last five or six years for some of these guys, and the ability to set up their rotation the exact way that you want it. You know what I would do, John, if I were baseball? If I could, I mean, I know you got to change the rules to do this, but it would be fun if you could. Okay, you're complaining about it. Fine, one seed. You can be the three seed and let the three seed be the one. You, you want to flip-flop with the three seed? Is that what you want to do? None of them would do it. None of them would do it. Exactly, John. None of them would do it. None of them would do it. They're a bunch of babies. They're a bunch of frauds. None of them would. Oh, okay. You're complaining about it? Go ahead and play a wild card round. Let's Go ahead. Let's see. Let's let's have at it. Give them the choice. All yeah. the teams that get buys yes. have a choice of not having home field advantage and go and play in three games. John, I, I I mean it. I mean it. Like I think the one seed. Okay, you're the one. Like the playoffs are set to go Sunday night. The one seed gets on the phone. All right, you got your choice. You can either stay as the one or you can be the three. And then they make their pick. And then if the one decides to be the three and flip flop, then you call up the two and you go, okay, two. Um, the one already flipped, but you can be the four if you want. Uh, how'd you like to be the four seed? None of them would do it, John. Not a single one of them. That and I'll retweet it. We need to get the word out on that. <laughs> we do. We do. This needs Not to be the, one of them would the, trade place. And they'll call it the Utopia postulate. That's what this will be. Yeah, the we'll, bleeping Utopia postulate. That's right. That's right. All right. So um, I'm going to go Astros in six uh, in this series, but um, should be a whole lot of fun, man. Should be a whole lot of fun. It is baseball weather here. Um, it'd be even better if it was Astros in four. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get it done. Get it out of the way. For sure. Um, all right, John, you ready to do a little pregame six-pack for the Texans and the Saints? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. We do a pregame six-pack. We uh, we give out our people, position groups, storylines, whatever the case may be, um, to get you ready for the Texans' next matchup. Week six, NRG Stadium, New Orleans Saints coming to town. Noon kickoff. The game is on Sports Radio 610 and on TV on Fox. The spread as we speak is Saints minus one and a half. John, you are up first. What is your first bottle in the six-pack? I'm going to start with a player we talked about earlier, Damian Pierce. The more he's in the system, the more he's going to learn it. And he's gone up against eight-man fronts more than any back in the NFL, 83% of his carries. And the line, you're going to have the same offensive line back for the second game in a row. I'm guessing, although Laramie Tunsil uh, has gotten more problems with his knee, but even if Tunsil's out, you know, they ran the ball better against the Steelers 
then they run it all season and, and uh, Tunsil and Titus Howard are out. And what Pierce needs last year, remember he had some runs of like 20, 30 yards. He needs some like that to get that average per carry up. But the run blocking has to improve. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So so what's the latest on Laramie, John? He didn't practice yesterday. And do we know they're, they may be practicing as we speak right now? I have no idea. Um, he wasn't even seen yesterday, so that means he was getting rehab. Okay. So I'm guessing he's going to be getting more rehab on Thursday. I've got to be honest, John. My bigger concern with Laramie isn't this Sunday. My bigger concern with Laramie is they just gave him $75 bucks, and he's got some knee injury that doesn't appear to be tied to any sort of movement that he had in the Ravens game where he twisted it or bent it. It's just this knee injury that he's all of a sudden in a lot of pain. That's problematic right now. It is, and they need him, and uh, because he and Titus Howard, even though they struggled in run blocking, yeah. George Fant was their best run blocker based on pro football focus grades. Neither Howard nor Tunstall even gave up a pressure, much less a sack. Okay. My first one in the six-pack, John, is going to be Dalton Schultz, who seems to finally be acclimating himself to the offense. And Dalton Schultz good, and Dalton Schultz – needs improvement two little subcategories in here Dalton Schultz good is what they brought him in here to do which is catch footballs he had that go-ahead touchdown at the end of the Falcons game he had seven catches for 65 yards he seems to be acclimating pretty well to the offense and they're obviously I think going to be working the middle of the field quite a bit without Tank Dell out there so the more that Dalton Schultz can become a guy who along with Robert Woods and Nico Collins helps CJ Stroud move the chains the better Dalton Schultz needs to be better blocking if he's going to be on the field in this run game. He's got to improve that. He's got to get in the way of people. I don't even care if his blocking is technically sound. He's It's just physics. He's got to get in the way of people. It was lackluster with him. He was letting guy. He was he was a matador out there at times on, uh, on Sunday against the Falcons. So Dalton Schultz, keep catching footballs. Dalton Schultz, you got to get your head screwed on right in this blocking game, son. What's scary about it is he's a willing blocker. He's just not good at it. Cowboys said that's not his specialty. You don't have him if you're expecting a guy to be a good blocker because he's just not. But like you were saying, get in the way, try to wall people off. You don't have to knock them backward or drop them on the ground. Just get in the way to seal, and he ought to be able to do that. Yep. What's your next one, John? My next one's Will Anderson, Jr. Will is third in the league in pressures, I think third or fourth. He gets double teamed third most in the league. He's got one sack. He's very active. It's time he started getting some sacks. This is the sixth game. You know, Watt had five and a half as a rookie. Anderson needs to get a couple of more. Right now, Jalen Carter, the Eagles defense coordinator, is defensive tackles is the runaway winner, favorite to be the NFL defensive rookie of the year over Anderson, who was favored coming in. Well, it's time he flexes muscles, get to the quarterback. Derek Carl try to get rid of it quickly, but he's been known to hold the ball. Anderson's time he got another sack and break that streak he's got going. Yeah, Will still does things in games where you're like, okay, I can see why they took him with the third overall pick. It's just that if you looked at the back of his football card right now, you're like, all right, we're five games in, he's got one sack. He he's The, the advanced stats seem to really favor Will Anderson quite a bit, like win rate and pressure rate and double teamed all the time and stuff like that. But you're right. Like eventually none of those things get you into second and 18, you know, like eventually he's got to, he's got to get Derek Carr on the ground. That's a good one. My next one, John is Jalen Petrie. And again, kind of like some good and bad with Petrie, you know, Petrie was involved in, uh, in at least one of the turnovers against the Falcons. He recovered the fumble. I think that Graylin Arnold forced 
And so is that two Baylor guys combining Shake on them. that, John? Yeah. Okay. I just thought of that. Um, but so Petrie, again, around the ball, you know, Petrie, they, since he's come back, they've had him around the line of scrimmage a lot against these teams that favor the run. And he's gotten into the backfield on some plays against the Steelers and against the Falcons. He's always going to do that. They're always going to move that chess piece up to the line and he's going to get in the backfield. Petrie, and I'm kind of putting something the Texans did defensively on Petrie. Petrie's sort of the face of it for me because I know according to the advanced stats, he allowed 95 yards receiving in that game. And I think a lot of that mm. was from the a lot of that was mm. from the tight ends. I don't think it's only Petrie's fault, but the tight ends for the Falcons had 14 catches for 176 yards. If Jawan Johnson is available in any of your fantasy leagues, pick him up based solely on that last week. He's the tight end for the Saints. Um but they, they, they can't be giving up that intermediate stuff and let the Saints go 7 for 14 on third down the way they let the Falcons go 7 for 14 on third down. So I'm using Petrie as just sort of a, an amalgam of, of really the linebackers and safeties having to tighten things up in that intermediate passing game and not allow the Saints intermediate receivers, tight ends, running backs, because Kamara is a threat out of the backfield too, um, to, to, get those, to get those yards. One of the things about the Saints game, I mean, this uh, Falcons game, when I went back and watched it, tight ends were open two or three times down the field, and I had no idea who was supposed to be covering them. And it's hard to know that when you don't know the call and the responsibility. Yeah. Could be like Petrie's on a guy and he passed him up or Petrie blew it, but you just don't know. But yet those people still grade them based on what they think was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, my next one, Sean, is, and I got this from reading your weekly column in the Houston press mm -hmm. where you do a great job. Thank and you. Uh, you had the pro football focus ratings and Blake Cashman is the number one linebacker in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Now I would never have thought that watching him play. He's made some big plays, but he's not somebody that I would say is dominating. But in a game like this where Carr's going to throw a lot to the running backs, Taysom Hill's going to be in there, and Cashman seems like a guy that would be have to be all over Hill. Um, I think he needs to have a really good game. And based, based on what Pro Football Focus says, he's been having great games. Well, now he needs to stand out even more. Yeah, he's been a playmaker for this team, John. He's He's been really – I can't believe he's number one on pro football focus for all the linebackers in football. That's wild. That's wild to me. Um, all right, my last one, John, and this is a, not a player or position group or anything like that, um, is I'm, I'm anxious to see what the invasion element is in the stadium on Sunday. This game, I believe, is sold out. This has become a, a – as Texans games go, this has become a tough ticket. This Saints game, and uh, and we saw with the the Colts game was sold out mostly with Texan fans who were there excited about the season. The Steelers game was sold out with a ton of Steeler fans and obviously all the JJ Watt energy. This is just some good old fashioned geographic rivalry with New Orleans to the east, and here's Houston. A lot of Louisiana people live in Houston. It's easy access from there. Um, they don't play here all that often. Uh, I mean, this is the first time in eight years that they've played a regular season game here. Um, so I, I'm anxious to see if the performance by the Texans so far five games in, I know they're two and three, which is not world beating by any means, but they're two and three, John, and all five of their opponents have a three and two record right now. So my guess is they played by record one of the hardest schedules in the league when the combined record of all your opponents is, is 15 and 10. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, for a league that, you know, the, the, the gravitational pull is towards 500 for everybody. 
Um, so this is a team that should have people very enthusiastic. You've got a quarterback. There'll be a lot of Saints fans in there, no question. I'll just be I'll be anxious to see if it matches what the Steelers game felt like, which felt like an invasion. You know, is this going to be an invasion element with the Saints fan? What do you think? I think that Texans fans sold those tickets before the season. Mm. And I think Saints fans, based on what you just said, eight eight years between trips here, and so many of them live in this area. So many of them live all the way to Louisiana. It's such an easy trip for them. So, yeah, I expect to be an invasion of Saints fans, just like there were an invasion of Steelers fans. The Saints just won't be waving terrible towels yeah. to get more attention. And hopefully the Texans will send them home the way they did the Steelers fans very quietly. I do think that, John, I, like, it sucks when all the opposing fans are in there, but when you have a team that's competitive like this one, CJ talked about it after the Steeler game. He's like, you know, there are a lot of Steeler fans in there, but he just liked the energy in the building. You know, I think that really that, – I think that startles a lot of guys like CJ, the Alabama guys, anybody that comes from a big school and they come here, especially in the preseason or even any of the last two games in the last two years, really – um, to look around that stadium, like when you got done just playing at the horseshoe in front of a hundred thousand lunatics, and you come here and there's twenty thousand people in the stands until halfway through the second quarter, that's a buzzkill. I'd rather have the opposing fans in there. At least there's some juice in the building than have it be like a mausoleum in there. The way it's been in, in the last four years. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, John, what's your prediction on the game? I'm picking the uh, Texans to beat the Saints twenty to seventeen. Okay, I got Saints 24-20. I don't like it. I hope I'm wrong, but I got Saints 24-20. I'm nervous about I'm nervous about the I feel like no tank Dell has me feeling like this offense could be a little bit of gridlock. So I got 24-20 uh Saints. I hope you are the correct one, John McClain. Do you want to do a few? Oh, I am too. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yes. Do you want to do a few, a few for real or fugazis before Let's we get out of here? All right. Let's do it. Uh, I got a handful of sentences in front of me. I read them to John. That's how this segment works. If John agrees with them, uh, he thinks I'm on target with this. He says, for real, if I read it and John disagrees with it, he thinks it's stupid. He thinks I'm crazy. He says, Lugazi. Lugazi. It's Italian for counterfeit or fake. All right, John. Um, uh, with Tank Dell out with a concussion, you and I looking at how this offense is going to function on Sunday, and we watched it function last Sunday. I've come to the determination, for real or Fugazi, Tank Dell is the most important skill player on the Texans roster. Fugazi, I think that would be Nico Collins. Uh, and as, I don't care who they lose, as long as they have C.J. Stroud playing the way he's playing, they're capable of beating just about anybody. And uh, I think they've proved that. Should have beaten Atlanta if the defense had been able to stop them on the last series. And that's one reason I think that uh, – They'll beat the Saints. But, yeah, then they'll have Tank Dell back. And they're going to have injuries all season. You hope Tank, because he's 5'8", 165, that uh, as long as – sounds terrible, but as long as it's not knees and quads and hamstrings getting pulled, uh, guys can come back quicker. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, you're right. It does feel a little dirty to say that about concussions versus knee injuries and hamstrings and things like that. But you're right. It's true. Um, and I think also tank two is so small in stature. My guess is even though we're early in the season between training camp and the season so far, he's got to be feeling the pounding a little bit or even early on. And I look, I, don't, I hate that it's a concussion that's keeping him out, but he's going to miss this week. He's going to know that you got a bye week next week. That gives him almost three full weeks to kind of get you know, like whatever he's suffering from, you know, these college kids hit the rookie wall and things like that. That should at least push the rookie wall back a couple weeks for him physically. I'm not a doctor or anything, but that's just, that's my thought about that, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It gets, gets, you know, everything gets, everything else gets to heal while you're sitting out like this. Um, All right, John, next one Uh, for real or Fugazi. If you could give out an MVP for the ALDS, the MVP was Jose Obreu. Gazy, you can't go against Jordan Alvarez. I just did. Abreu I just... did a has done a fantastic job in two games, but the consistency of Alvarez when he got a single on Wednesday night, it's almost deflating. Only a single cheese. I want to see a home run. I want to see a ball off the wall, and nobody puts fear in opposing pitchers like Jordan Alvarez. Sure. But Hey, Jose Abreu gets his props from everybody. Okay, I'm gonna here's my Jose Abreu argument. First of all, I Jordan is more valuable than who's guilty. That's why you're no, 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 no. I've got a case. Hang on, hang on, hang on. No, no, I, I agree with you. Jordan is more valuable than Jose Abreu. Like he's yes, he strikes more fear into people. Um, Jordan was also trash in game four. He was he struck out on balls that were 55 feet. Like he was ugly. He, he looked ugly. I would contend, and their OPSs were, you know, I think Jordan had a 1,700 OPS for the series. Jose Abreu was like 12 or 1,300. So they were both spectacular. I think Jose Abreu's two home runs were the most important two home runs and maybe the two most important hits of the whole series. I think the home run, as I outlined earlier, against Sonny Gray in the first inning of that game completely shifted the momentum of that series back to the Houston Astros in one swing. And then the home run last night ended up being the winning margin in a three to two game. He 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 hit a two run home run. So I just think it's the importance of the two home runs. You know, that's to me that like that's valuable. Such a it, it's you know it's such a a, a, a neb, not nebulous, but you can go any number of directions with it. That's what value is to me. Like how how crucial were they for the big moments? But Jordan is definitely definitely a guy who um, I feel bad arguing against. All right, a couple more, John. Hold on. I I know guilt plays a big role in that, but you changed my mind. I've changed my fugazi to for real. Really? I was that persuasive, huh? Yep, you were. Okay. Okay. Wow. Of course, I feel a little guilty because I ripped his ass all season. Yeah, me too. I feel like yeah. I feel like this is like the utopia. And he deserved it. Right. Right. The Utopia. Welcome into the Utopia Anti Abreu podcast. So uh, we should rename it. <laughs> All right, a couple more, John. Um, Titus Howard at left guard for real or Fugazi. That is the way to go. I think it's for real. If they're going to put their five get best out there, um, he's going to have to play left guard. And George Fan will stay at right tackle. Although it's weird. Pro Football Focus gave Fant the highest run grade, but every time I looked when I was watching it, every time they went right. They didn't do squats, especially when they went wide right. And I don't know if Jared Patterson would be good enough based on what they've seen in every start to move him to left guard, even though, as D'Amico pointed out, this is what he played all through offseason program and training camp and preseason and then put Juice Scruggs at center. At least they'll have some options. I think coming off the bye week, they're going to have all of them healthy. 
uh, unless somebody else gets hurt in this game, and it'd be the first time they have options that are actually quality options. Yep. All right, two more, John. Um, the uh, Jerry Jones contends on our sister station up in Dallas, 105.3, that the Cal- Dallas Cowboys can win a Super Bowl this year with Dak Prescott as their quarterback. For real or Fugazi, the Cowboys can win the Super Bowl this year with Dak Prescott as their quarterback. Fugazi, and I think if you ask Jerry that and put a gun to his head, he'd be going, Fugazi. <laughs> Dak's not playing well. And they're no. playing the Chargers and Kellen wins Kellen Moore. If Kellen Moore has a great offensive game and, and Justin Herbert is tremendous and they will beat the Cowboys, then the, imagine the criticism they're going to get for basically forcing him out so Mike McCarthy could call the plays. And right now McCarthy's catching heat and it's well-deserved because Prescott is not playing nearly as well as he did under Kellen Moore. Cowboys are favored Oh, they're a road favorite in that game, John. They're favored by two and a half points in LA. I know that's not a great home field advantage for the Chargers, and I'm sure it'll be full of Cowboy fans yeah. at SoFi Stadium. But I still, like, I don't know how drastic a difference. And I think Austin Eckler's coming back for the Chargers this week, too. I was surprised that the Cowboys were a favorite. I was gonna I was gonna blindly bet the Cowboys this week, just because when a team gets embarrassed like that on national TV one week, I always bet on them. I back them the following week because I feel like they're they were probably hyper focused this week to not want to let that happen again. But I was surprised they were favored in this or are favored in this game. So if they lose this game, there'll be all this talk about getting rid of McCarthy. Dude, bring Dion back to Dallas. Yeah. Can you, John, can you imagine if the Texans and the Cowboys are three and three next weekend? How awesome that would be. And if the Astros are winning the NLCS over the Rangers. Oh, don't tempt me with a good time. All right. Last one, John. Show some class. That's, that's, <laughs> Last one. Uh, not sure if you saw, but Deshaun Watson missed practice again on Wednesday this week. Not sure if he practiced today or not. I don't. Have you seen yet? Is Deshaun? If Deshaun practiced today, John? On no, Thursday, a lot of people up there saying not expecting him to play. Okay, okay. Well, let's go with that then. He didn't practice on Wednesday. He didn't play in the Ravens game before the bye week. He hasn't missed a single episode of his podcast yet with Quincy Avery, though. He's managed to show up for all of those. Um, so he is, he is public enemy. Number one, it feels like up in Cleveland right now for real or Fugazi, the Texans could use the Browns draft pick this year on a broom with a bucket for a, for a head. And they still will have won the Deshaun Watson trade. (laughs) Uh, I think everybody Cleveland media would say that I'll say that's for real. Yes. Uh, He, uh, you know, the thing is that injury that he said he had, I saw a doctor saying that could keep him out. For several weeks, they're coming off the bye week. So he said two. He had the bye week to get ready after he missed a game. And the fact he's not practicing, there's a lot of speculation he could be out a while. And they elevated PJ Walker. Yeah, he's going to uh, start if Deshaun can't play. From the old Houston Roughnecks, he'll yeah. be starting in that game. Great opportunity for him. And let's be honest, everybody in Houston wants Deshaun to be hurt, so the Texans have a higher draft choice. So I think. Oh, it'd yeah. be, incredible with all those people that trash the Texans that Arizona's get the first two picks are going to get Caleb Williams and they're going to get Marvin Harrison Jr. Never gave a thought to the fact the Texans could have a better record than the Browns. I'm sure it's not going to happen, but wouldn't it be great? I'd be so sure. If Deshaun's out for a while and PJ Walker's are starting quarterback, I, I, John, if you knew PJ Walker was going to start the rest of the games for the year for Cleveland, who are two and two right now, the Browns are, and the Texans are two and three, and you know CJ Stroud 
is going to start the rest of the games for the Texans. Are you telling me you would think the Browns have a better record than the Texans? Well, the Browns do have a great defense. The Texans don't, and if and they but they don't have Nick Chubb, so they can't run the ball and yeah. rely on the defense. So I'm I would say yeah, sure, of course. Great, great Texans defense. should have a better record, or they should be tied. Yeah, at worst. Okay, well there you go. All right, so that was for real or for Gazy. We do it every week on the final episode of the week here on the Utopia Football Podcast. John, what do you got going on on your various platforms? I've got an Astros column I'm working on right now, the Texans column that was posted yesterday. We've got Utopia Football Podcast, talk shows, everything you could want. Thank you very much, Sean. John, thank you very much as well. I appreciate that. We appreciate James Jackson, our producer, getting this out to all of you. Hit that subscribe button so that you can – Uh, get the podcast automatically. It's been a fun season so far, and it's only going to get more fun. We hope you're along for the ride with us here on the Utopia Football Podcast. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. That's the the email address to send us questions for our Tuesday mailbag episode. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. For James Jackson and John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you on Sunday evening following what we hope is a Texans victory at NRG Stadium against the New Orleans Saints. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody.